episode of Because Things Can Be Different, the podcast that tries to cover everything design and business related. We're focusing on the coffee industry for the Global Coffee Festival, um, which we've been involved in and designed the set and stuff and, and what you would have seen um, during, the, uh, during the festival and during the uh, lab talks and other such things. Um, we've been working with the guys for uh, quite a while now across all their different festivals. Um, and when they asked us to put some content together about helping people who are going to start a coffee shop or already have a coffee shop and want to do it better, um, we jumped at the chance. So that's why we have this podcast. And today we're going to be talking to Mr. Oliver Underwood, my design manager from Liquid Group. Hello, yeah. So, I believe you tried to drill this down to just three key points. Yeah, so um, what we want to be doing today is just chatting to you guys about, um, I guess, the bricks and mortar side of things uh, to do with, um, obviously, my, I tend to focus on the interior design, but you cannot deny the importance of bricks and mortar when you come to, uh, to that. You need some bricks to make <laughs> the interior. <laughs> so, yeah, this episode, talking about that, bricks and mortar. Next episode, in relation to interior design, we're going to be focusing more on um, sort of like design trends and... Uh, layout and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. yeah. So, uh, broken this down into the bricks and mortar side of things into sort of three key areas of focus, um, location, uh, property, and budget. And these are the three areas worth, you know, uh, looking into where there could be some pitfalls that some people Yeah, I was going to say they, they, they're things to look at, but they are the ones that come with the most pitfalls within each section. Mm. Is that fair to say? I think so, yeah. I guess yeah. that's why, well, as soon as you told me these were the uh, these were sections, I knew why you had gone gone that way. It's the sort of things that we would deal with with a client or for a client that mm. can be the uh, the ones that can cause the most stress. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so first of all, um, the location. What what are we looking for with the location? Um, well, firstly, I mean, it's fair to say that before you start to... St- talking about location you need to make sure you've got your objectives in place and your brand sort of aligned and ready to go which uh, you might discuss yeah all the things we talked in in episode one and two um filter in at least should filter in into these three things actually Mm. um but especially when it comes to locations your business model and your, your brand strategy should point you in the right direction from a location point of view, whether that's which city you need to be in or even which country, but mm. which city you need to be in or which town and then whereabouts in the said town. Yeah, so once you've sort of got that uh, worked out, it's the right, right location for your brand, for your business. Um, so, for example, if you predominantly want to cater for uh, commuters, um, and they will exist again soon. Um, you need to make sure you're in the right location to uh, to get commuters. So you don't want to be on a back street somewhere uh, where with no footfall. If you want to be uh, catering relatively for a relatively high end demographic, you yeah. need to make sure again you're in the right location for that. Uh, and if you want to guess more of a history from the past, passers by, or whether it's a location that people are going to um, yeah going to deliberately go out their way to get to so if you want to serve a community if you're a real sort of community hub then you have to be in the right place to be a community hub for your coffee shop yeah yeah Which... and I, I think it comes down to when you're talking about commuters for example that is very much a takeaway um model if that is your primary focus mm. um we've had we've had people talking to us about their business model and 
they are trying to create kind of a luxurious space, but then their main focus is going to be on people that are going to drop by, grab a coffee and walk back out again. Mm. So their dwell time is almost non-existent. And I think that's the bit where it comes to location. If your dream business model and your, sorry, your dream uh, brand strategy that you're trying to create is this thing where people sit there and have a, the best quality coffee, maybe yeah. it's a, a brew bar, which in its own you're right takes longer. You're trying to create a sort of atmosphere. And, exactly. Yeah. And then you're aiming it or parking it next to a tube station in, in London um, and no one's got any time because we all know what it's like in London. We end up running because we're always trying to get somewhere as quickly as possible. We don't yeah. have time even if we want to. So then your better location you misaligned. Really, exactly yeah. yeah and it all sounds really obvious but it can go missing when you find a property that you really like or a location you really like because you can see that there's going to be customers around you need to make sure you try and focus on getting the right customers and fitting with the demographic and and everything yeah. else we talked about in the last there is, there is so much to keep your mind on uh, when you when you you're trying to create the your coffee shop dreamer basically so sometimes these maybe rather obvious things can get forgotten about and they? do we, yeah. we've seen it and we've had to highlight it to customers that's why we think it's clear um it becomes clear uh the importance of having third parties involved so whether that is a design agency like ourselves branding agency or um realtors yeah um uh, business planners and other such things can really help just look at it where it's not their um it's not their baby, so they can have a bit more of an objective view. Yeah, that's that's right. So, yeah, so right location that's right for your brand and, and your sort of uh, business objectives. Um, footfall is another one. So uh, Don't be scared of standing outside and yeah. counting how many people walk past in different times of day. We've got customers that haven't done that, and it's been, um, it's been a mistake. Mm. And we've got other customers where you can't really figure out why they've picked a location, and then they open it up and it's just got an amazing footfall of just the right people because they've kind of paid attention to it yeah. there are companies out there it's worth pointing out that will do stuff like this for you or a good realtor will be able to give you these type of um yeah. stats uh, so it's worth paying attention to so because it does come down to the math a little bit which is not our strong suits but it's not it's not our expertise but it's something we do pay attention to yeah because um, so if you if you you've got to say what are your so if you're selling coffee and cake for example how much coffee and cake do you need to sell to remain profitable and what is the average spend per customer and are you going to get enough customers to actually make that up yeah i mean can you just sell coffee and cake or do you need a bigger mm. food offering i.e do you need to go for the brunch lunch yeah. market or breakfast the coffee and Model. the coffee and model exactly do you need to open in the evenings to serve um alcoholic drinks um other such things because the margins are there that then help make that location you justify the, the location yeah, yeah justify the location and there's there's some great models out there which i'm sure a lot of people watching and listening to this will know who we're talking about there's a couple of companies out there who have done a great job of that diversification mm. um and the coffee and um uh, model yeah so that that i think that covers location obviously yeah. we can't we can't drill it down too much because we're hoping that this is useful for people all around the world to a certain extent um and the location is very business centric um yeah. uh so yeah it, it's gonna have to be you know i uh, think uh, but you you touched on the best advice is to have that third party sort of person with their uh you don't, to weigh you in. don't be scared take yourself out of the equation a little bit and and look at it from the outside and and, and yeah. decide whether it's if you're right not going to have the third person yeah take yourself out and make yourself the third person try and take the emotions out which we understand is much harder that, than um than it Easy sounds all the yeah. time yeah exactly um so the next one there is you've got your location um and then you've got your property yeah so you found you've been lucky enough to find your property in the location you now need to make sure that that property is actually um 
right for you in terms of what you need it to offer you what you need it to do for you in your business so um well i guess there's sort of two types of property well there's lots of types of properties but really they fall into two camps new build sort of shell and existing properties yeah um shells uh can trip people up and these new build shells they, they can um i think that it is because it's a big open space, sometimes it's a big concrete block or um, better than that, a white box. Um, it can look like all you have to do is put some put some furniture in there. You literally just crop your interior in. And... Yeah, and sometimes, don't guess wrong, that is the case. But I think there's some pitfalls that we've run into with customers that have already got their property yeah. before talking to us that I think we're worth highlighting. So they're basically like a, a lot of the ones we've seen anyway. They're like a concrete, yeah, they're a concrete box. And when we meet in that, I mean, concrete exposed walls, concrete floor, etc. And they've got all brick work. All brick, yeah, yeah, yeah. breeze block. They've got nothing in there. To the point that the thing that people have overlooked is the floor. Um, that's oh yes thing. i knew you were going to bring that up yeah. yeah um yeah so bring the floor to height you mean yeah um yeah so the floor floor covering can be an expensive thing but i think the thing that people have not spotted in the past that has cost them quite a bit of money is the bring the floor to height hmm. so um, it might be what uh, 50 mil below um yeah so fit well like like we were talking about before we started recording this was, a couple of inches yeah. yeah you can go you can go from 50 mil a couple of inches um to we've had 150 mil in one place that we were talking to um where it was so that's almost a height of a short man mm. um down and now obviously they didn't you know miss that being expensive but that was because it needed massive amount of uh, soundproof insulation because there was a tube underneath it yeah um that so, is an extreme but... yeah it's a massive extreme but it just shows this is i think where you go so 150 you know that's going to cost something you know something's got to fill that void um the bit that gets confused is when it's only a couple of inches or 50 millimeters or 60 you know up to the six millimeters everyone just thinks it's going to be really simple and it's not going to cost very much money now unfortunately that is normally not the case is it yeah so basically well you've got to bring the floor up to level you have to do that before you can lay down any of the flooring you might like like wood flooring or tiles or what have you and obviously that costs money and the customer's not going to see the benefit of that it's essential but they're not going to see the benefit of that so you've got to pour in quite a lot of your money your own money if you're renting to effectively finish someone else's building and i think that's worth uh... yeah i mean most of our clients around the world it's normally a lease that they're signing on commercial property it's rare that they own it if you do own it it does change the math slightly because you have you know the the value you're adding to the property but we for this purpose we're going to stick with um rental properties because you are adding value to someone else's property that wasn't there before um and you're not necessarily going to get that back if you get it that wrong it, it will ruin your return on investment sometimes yeah so we had a customer who had got a property already and uh they didn't realize and do not please don't rely on the agent um or the landlord to tell you these things because it's not in their best interest to do so but it was tens of thousands of pounds they spent on bringing the floor up 60 mil wasn't it yeah uh, we sent our building control guy in at the beginning to before we commence work and he pointed out the fact that actually no insulation had been put into the original build of these luxury flats and we had to put insulation in as part of the cost so the client then had to foot the bill for putting insulation in before we even poured concrete yeah. and before we then poured the you know high quality concrete to polish on the top and all of these things are just worth bearing in mind because it will give you scope for negotiating uh, rent-free periods uh, yeah because you don't want to negotiate a six-month rent-free period for example and then it turns out actually 
actually you've got to spend a lot more money. Yeah, that's the equivalent of like 30 grand worth of rent and actually you've got 30 grand spent immediately on the floor. So you've got no electrics, no lighting, no nothing. Yeah, that is, again, I know this is not the exciting side of this stuff, but this is the bit that can make your business profitable um, or, you know, be paying all of these problems back for the first six, seven years instead of the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, So it is a real key part of... um, the the design i suppose it is the design but it's the selection of the property um and uh budgetary constraints that are, that are linked to that yeah um, so uh, i mean that's the flooring we won't um dwell on that much longer but then the the um the other things worth bearing in mind and this 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 is whether it's a one of those sort of shell scheme new builds or whether it's an existing property air conditioning and ducting um you need to make sure you've got the uh the, the, the hvac yeah, we yeah yeah we've got the the budgets for that um i mean obviously if if it's a if it's a coffee shop you might not need an extensive system if you've got a kitchen uh we've done a bakery recently um that needed an extensive system so the budget needs to be you know that needs to be aware made aware of you need to yeah you need to understand what that property is going to need to put your idea into it i think that's the bit that can be missed so because it's not that glamorous a property we did yeah it's not it's not that glamorous and it also it's kind of like do we really need to worry about that yeah. And the answer is yes. yes. <laughs> and sometimes in some properties, it's really yes, because it can be thousands of pounds to meet building regs or the landlords wants and needs. So we dealt with a property recently that needed an extensive um, amount of HVAC um, uh, extraction put in because of smells to high-end apartments where mm. basically you weren't allowed to smell anything from outside the building because there was very high-end apartments above which makes complete sense but it's not the landlord's responsibility because you could have gone and put in you know a newspaper shop there and it wouldn't smell at all if yeah. someone wants to be cooking in that building the landlord expects you to then put a um, system in that mm expels the smells and it ended up running i think wasn't it like 10 meters or something for yeah. an underground car yeah. park well that costs a lot of money to do that so those things the client actually overlooked. knew about that this is this wasn't yeah. not knowing about that that, that, that was taken out, yeah, yeah it's worth pointing out and and all of his rent free and his negotiation was based off the back of that but it's something that if it was missed mm. it could be a huge problem so you really need to make sure that you pay attention and they are to relatively easy to overlook because they're just not that interesting but they are, you know. Yeah, it can be the thing that stops you from being able to put the furniture power, in. The... Power's another thing, isn't it? That's... Power's a good one, yeah. That can cause some problems. So, um, again, new build, you've probably just got a couple of wires coming in and you're probably going to need to, therefore, invest in your fuse boxes, etc. and you'll, you know, get a proper Yeah, start from scratch. Yeah, and, you which, are really, which you can are be, Yeah, that doesn't, that's not just on a new build, is it? Sometimes it just needs to be updated. Yeah. But the one thing that um, we've had customers miss before um is the amount of power coming into the building um so how do we explain this where it doesn't get confusing across borders so let's not talk about um amps and how many amps you need because like the states and stuff run different power to us so let's not go into that detail but let's talk about if you need 100 to run all your machines let's call 100 units to run all your machines you can get cables coming into buildings especially in london that will only have 60 units coming in Let's put it like that. So you cannot then run your coffee machine, your grinders, your everything. So you do need to put that type of stuff to the front before you start the 
um, creative part of the design, yeah. you need to know if you're going to run three coffee machines, you're asking three times more power than someone that's running one. Um, so when you're going to look at the property, you want to make sure that you've got a decent amount of power coming in. You want 100 units. Um, that means it gives you the flexibility to run the machines and the equipment that you want. Yeah. Again, super boring. <laughs> We're aware of it. But yeah. it's not a mistake mass- you want to make, really. No, no. We've we've had a client that unfortunately had the sixty units coming in and they needed a hundred units. Well, you have to get um the power company to dig up the pavement. Um, at your own cost to run from the mains that was in the roads they have to get a license for that they mm. have to get a license to close one side of the road to then dig it up put a bigger cable into your building to run it you don't even own this building the client didn't own this building in the end it was uh it was rented they have to pay all of that and the worst one for that is the time frames yeah i mean that is worth um i mean it's all doom and gloom at the moment obviously mm. um but yeah uh your your time constraints yeah, it needs to be factored in. It's not just budgets. So any of what we've discussed really can... Um... As soon as you get local authorities, as we call them in the UK, or uh, your state, if you're in, in the States, or um, governmental bodies, you know, Middle East, it, everyone has someone that is control in control of some of these things where it goes into like national grids and stuff like that. Um, as soon as they're involved, a lot of the time, some countries are better than others, some states are better than others, and some counties are better than others. But a lot of the time, they just run slowly because it's a big, heavy, you know, governmental yeah. body. Really, you want to avoid needing to deal with them any more than is Yeah, because if you're necessary. negotiating a six-month rent period, it's going to take you six months to negotiate all of these. Uh, or just get them in, yeah, like yeah. a waiting list. The waiting list went from eight weeks to three months or something in one of, one of the jobs we had because they had a massive influx. And then with uh, this current situation, a lot of government bodies have had lots of trouble keeping up because they've furloughed people or they've sent people yeah. working from home and planning. I know we've been working on some planning for a couple of clients, and that is now a huge amount extra to what is legally normally um, allowed to take. So mm. again, we, we don't want to go drill down into little details um, too much and, and what you would deal with in, in the UK opposed to the States or the Middle East. Um, but it's all things you need to pay attention to. So you really need to look and make sure there's enough power coming into that building. And if there's not, how much is it going to cost and how long is it going to um, yeah. take to get that put And if in? it's not going to work for you, find another property. Move on to <laughs> another property. That's what we're trying. I know this sounds kind of worrying and everything else, but we're just, it's better to, Better to worry about it before you sign up for the property than afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Um, The Um, only the only other thing just worth highlighting quickly is um, is plumbing. Um, Your wastewater pipe specifically. Uh, Yeah, water coming into the building is normally not that much of a problem, um, but it will be uh, your wastewater. Whether you've got a toilet in the building or not, whether you need a toilet in the building, and obviously where your toilet's going to be is going to be dictated to where your wastewater is, and also there and thereabouts. Yeah, Yeah, normally. And then um, what well, your counter is going to be as well, because obviously you're going to have wastewater coming out of that. So if your heart is set on a counter at the front of your store, and that's very important to your brand, and you you're have like waste... 100 meters away from yeah. the waste, you're going to cause a problem. It's not that it's impossible by any means, and we're to, you know you could be up on a, a second floor unit, and it's easy to move these things. So please don't read into these things as gospel. It's no. just we're trying to highlight them so you know to prove Potential these to not be problems, that, yeah. rather than pretend they're not there. Would yeah. you say just? Just if you hire, if you listen to this and then went and viewed a property and you could just say that that's not as much of a problem as they made it sound, that's not as much. Then then you're winning. That's yeah. all we're trying to highlight here. Um, mm. so I think that moves nicely on to the next yeah. section, um, which is budget. Hmm. So with budgets, uh, 
quite an important one for us um, to discuss. It's your favourite subject, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, the reason it is, is, well, money's a weird one because people, in my experience, and I guess yours, is not many people like talking about money, understandably, maybe. I mean, we are British, so it's a slight... <laughs> <laughs> no one likes talking about money no, in Britain. Um, but, but, but basically... Um, Knowing your budget is fundamentally important to the project. There are a number of things that dictate the end result, uh, your brand, your brief, uh, the way you want it to look. But ultimately, your budget is so important. You, you might want your interior to have marble and gold everywhere, but if your budget won't allow that, uh, obviously, we wouldn't recommend marble and gold anyway. But if your budget won't allow that, then we, there's a disconnect. So um, getting that pitched right for your brand and your objectives is is it is comes back to it loops all the way back to where you're doing your strategy your brand strategy and your business strategy at the beginning of all of this before you've gone to look for a property um if you're going super super high end then mm. that has led you into so you've gone super high end you've got the brand that looks that way sounds that way you've got the right name and you've got the demographic then you go to your location so say let's go london you go mayfair because that ties in nicely with that mm. then you found your property you've got all your drainage and your power and all of the boring bits sorted out and your floors up to level and everything else. none of that matters if you haven't aligned your budget with a high-end interior of a high-end location so if you spend all your money on your uh, deposits and everything else yeah. and, and your, your, you know, your cushion for your rent for the first year. And you've got and 20 you, grand to spend on your budget. Yeah, you've got £20,000 budget on your interior. It's not going to be particularly high end by the time you finish. And I think a common mistake is how creativity can bridge the bridge gap. Bridge the gap, that's it, yeah. And it, it, it can bridge the gap to a certain extent. We can, and any designer can make intelligent design decisions and material choices to basically give you the biggest bang for your buck. But it only goes so far. I think that's fair to say. I think that I think that's yeah, that's fair to say. And and it's it can be um, it can be mistaken by uh, people and even just friends of mine. You know, talking down the pub, it's kind of like it, I, I'm doing my own house mm. and uh, I want it to look a certain way. And because I own a design agency doesn't mean that I can have it look exactly the way I want for the lowest budget. I can save money. I can make some clever decisions. But it, you you know, as well, you've, you've worked on your house and said the same thing. There's certain things that you want that just cost money. It yeah. doesn't. And there's no getting away from it. To get to a certain look, there's a certain amount of money needed. And I think that's, although it sounds yeah. very simple, it's important. And, and if your budget is tighter... Um, then yeah, pulling in favours from friends and uh, oh, yeah, chipping in yourself and helping out is is the way. But I think that really kind of covers it. When it I comes think to so, yeah. I think it's key. Just to, whoever you're working with, where, from a design point of view. So any design firm or designer you're working with, it's key that you see it as a partnership and that you trust them to spend your money accordingly so any it's, designer it's in their interest to give you the biggest bang for their buck because as designers we want to create the best we possibly can yeah so and they need yeah, a reputation if you've never heard of them before then yes they could be a complete shyster that's going to give you a 20 grand job for 100 obviously if they've got a decent portfolio and they've worked with customers and you can profile them and maybe ring a past customer and see how they are and how they've worked with them in the past then you should then feel quite secure in giving them the budget you know not holding your card so close to your chest that the people that are trying to help you win the game aren't even involved in it and i think where we've really helped our customers is where it's been a partnership from the beginning yeah. um, from all of this but when it comes to budget it just means we can we design need to know your the best yeah. thing any designer needs to know can. their budget your budget whoever's budget to be able to uh, give them the most amount for their a slight warning i would say is when people just say that they can do it so companies say they can do it budget's not really discussed 
um, at, or they throw a number out of how much it costs. Yeah. Um, I would say that was a highlight. And we don't say that to um, badmouth other companies or fit out companies. It's We say it to the ones that we've had to pick up the pieces afterwards. I think, yeah, um, just to touch on quickly, there's in, in our experience, there's two different types of companies out there. Now, there's design studios that do fit out, which is what we are. And then there's fit out companies that do design now. Maybe generalization, but fit out companies that do design, they can, they do tend to be able to give you more of a straightforward when it comes to the price that what you should be spending, what it was going to come in at to do your interior, because they just do the same design each time. So it's more cookie cutter. Uh, now, as a design studio, first and foremost, any design studio, first and foremost, doesn't really know what the end result is going to be um, because they haven't designed it yet. So therefore, there has to be some real-world limitations. They haven't drilled content. down the, the strategy and stuff because yeah. we, we may offer you the branding and everything, but we work with companies that have already had the brand or have built the brand with someone else, and then we get that brand strategy from them, and then we will build that out, and we will work with them with their budget and everything else to create the interior. So it's about just partnering with the right people. Yeah. Um, and if you're doing it yourself, you just need to step back and become us for the, for the day and look at it from that point of view. Can I really achieve the Mayfair high-end look where i've only got five thousand pound to spend i mean let's all be honest with each other and say no you're probably not going to do that so can i change my whole strategy because the money is no more money is available so maybe we need to go for something a little bit more cool a little bit more edgy where we can use some you know cheaper materials um or do i just need to find the bigger budget and that's that's real that's key pretty much it. the crux yeah. of it isn't it i mean the next the next episode is going to be slightly more um upbeat um yeah we're just going to talk so. about more more about layout and stuff like that and, and things to keep an eye out and, and then trends and what we would advise people to look at and um things we see moving forward so um yeah yeah until next time uh, yeah. thanks for joining us Thank and uh, we'll see you on the next episode Oh, 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 oh,